Unlock More to Life with Adrian Pinozo, Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we broadcast interviews with successful real estate investors across North America to empower you on your journey to unlocking more to life with real estate investing. Now, now here's your host, Adrian Pinozo. And we're live. So everybody, welcome again. Uh, it's Adrian Pinozo here with the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we're helping you get more to life so you can start living your dreams through the power of real estate investing. We are incredibly honored today to have with us the owner and founder of Millennials Choice Group, which is a real estate mortgage insurance and education brand aimed to assist Canadians with their real estate mortgage and insurance needs. Our good friend Matthew had acquired his first property at the age of 19. And believe it or not, for all the other millennials out there listening, now at the age of 29, Matthew owns 23 properties in his portfolio valued at 15 million dollars. Incredible. Matthew holds a bachelor's in education, an honorary degree in law and society, a real estate broker's license, a mortgage broker's license, and a life insurance agent license. Matthew also hosts the Millennials Choice Show podcast, produces content on YouTube at the Millennials Choice channel, and also does some public speaking to further educate people. Matthew loves what he does and hopes to continue his work for years and years to come. Matthew truly embodies what I like to say, the more to life attitude at such a young age. And he works extremely hard doing everything he loves while enjoying the freedom of entrepreneurship provides. Everyone, it's my pleasure, the one and only, to introduce to you Matthew Ablican. Welcome to the More Than Life Real Estate Investing Podcast, pal. Thank you so much, Adrian. That was an awesome uh, introduction. I really appreciate it. A couple of things that have changed over the last two weeks. I just turned 30 years old uh, on the 15th, okay. so I'm no longer 29. It's a closing of a decade, but a start of a new one. And uh, property count went up to 24 individual properties now. So uh, wow. not, not to boost or anything, but just to, for you. Just to share it. So. Uh, I'm I'm honored to be on your podcast. You're doing awesome things. So uh, let's give your audience a lot of content. I'm, I'm ready to go. Awesome. So before we get into the questions, <clears throat> I think it's super, super important. And I want to touch upon how, and we're going to get into, you know, details about this, but at such a young age and for all, again, all those other millennials out there listening who are thinking of getting involved, thinking of being an entrepreneur, thinking that you know, sky's the limit, or maybe the opposite, like, how can I ever do that? How can I ever do that? Here's everybody, you know, here's living proof of somebody so young, so young, and yet so successful in having all these accolades behind them, and obviously, your portfolio as well. So, buddy, take my hat off to you. Um, congratulations on your work ethic, your success, and um, where you've come in such a short time. So, we're going to break it down through the podcast and really get to the nitty gritty on how you built this, how you did this. So getting into it, Matthew, 
We know that you've always had an interest in real estate at obviously a very young age. Buying your first condo, from what I know, at the age of 19, while you were completing your undergrad in law and history, as well as your bachelor's of education at York University. Tons and tons on the go for you, such a young man. Tell us a little bit about why you decided to start in real estate, why you decided to buy that first property while still in undergrad. What, like, what was going through your mind? Well, I wanted, I wanted more to life and, and more from life. That was, that was the reality of it. I was in one of my university courses and I was working a couple of part-time jobs. And I said, there has to be more to life than just working these part-time jobs just to pay the bills. And at the time, I found the best jobs I could, which were restaurant serving jobs, because I thought I could earn a paycheck while I also earned uh, tips. And, you know, when I was there, it's like I was in school. I was studying two degrees. Um, I had very little social life. I had two jobs and, and very little social life. But I loved working because I, I really did love the money that was coming in. Like I, I knew that it was uh, to my benefit. And I, I never really spent uh, money on parties or things like that. Um, I had fun, but I, I had a goal in mind. And one day I just said uh, in class, basically, like there has to be something better than this because I'm not just going to graduate earn 50k a year salary someplace and that's you know just retire and, and die like that's not what i want to do so i started learning about how to make money work for you through real estate at the time um when i was actually cooking at a restaurant called johnny rockets in von mills malls an old-fashioned diner it's an american diner they don't exist anymore in canada after I quit, they ended up shutting down. So I was, you could tell I was the, I was the earner over there, but right, um, right. basically, I'm just kidding, but basically they did shut down, but uh, I had a server there who was older than myself. And he said, where do you keep your money? And I said, our RBC bank. And he said, well, you're not earning any interest on that money. It's, it's just, it's dying. And he taught me about the concept of inflation and in, in words that I would understand. And he said, you should go to PC Financial, which I think they, they rebranded or they, they just recently got sold, PC Financial, which is a near bank uh, subsidiary of CIBC at the time. Maybe they changed now. And ING Direct, which they were giving 1% to 2% on your savings account. And that's, that's considered like high interest, right? So right. I was playing in, in that space a little bit, but with, with what money? I had like four or 5,000 bucks saved. So it wasn't really a big deal. Learned about real estate. And by the way, just to backtrack a little bit, my parents are not in the business. My parents did not sign that first deal. My parents have never signed. My parents don't barely know like my portfolio. Like I, I recently started showing them my portfolio to, to motivate them and inspire them. But it's they, not like they, your uh, mom and dad cut you a check for a hundred grand and said, "Here, go buy real estate." My parents cut me checks two times, and the first time was uh, years after my university degree. Which, caught, which both of them costed, and I have them in the other room here in my office, uh, which I'm in right now, they costed about 50 grand. And my mom gave me a check, uh, actually a few payments, totaling 15,000 after I graduated, which I'm grateful for. And mm -hmm. the second thing was for my wedding earlier this year in May, my parents gave me uh, 10 grand for the wedding. And I'm, I'm okay sharing the number because they're, that's, like, they're so proud that they could give me 10 grand. I'm, and I'm so grateful for that. But that's right. the family background is my parents came from the Middle East. They left a socialist communist regime in the in the mid 80s. They met here and they got married here. So they didn't know each other back home. So they met here, got married, 
They shortly thereafter have my brother and I, and we're the first, I'm the first person out of my whole family, like aunts, uncles, cousins to be born in Canada. So there's a little bit of that old school work ethic, immigrant mentality, even though I'm, I'm born here, but also that millennial feel to it all. So it's called millennials choice, but there's an old school feel to it. And so I was learning this about real estate and I was, what I was doing at the time. So you have to remember this was, I bought my first property at 19. But at 17 and 18, I was learning about real estate. And when I was 17, the only thing I could find, there were no podcasts. And I think YouTube was fairly a, a new phenomenon. This is now 13 years ago. So yeah, there weren't too many channels or real estate gurus you could really learn from. I think Robert Kiyosaki was probably the only main one that, at that time. And I was going into real estate sale, builder sales offices in different projects, pre-construction projects. Uh, in Innisfil, in uh, Vaughan, Toronto. And I was just learning from the real estate agents there, um, like how pre-construction works, how real estate works. And they were kind enough to kind of walk me through the process. And so when I was 17, Super Bowl Sunday, I went to Innisfil and um, I was at a, a site, my country homes. They were selling detached homes for like 300000 And all you needed was like a $5,000 deposit to secure it. But I, I was like wise enough and guided by these people to, to know that a deposit is not your down payment and what the differences are. Right. And I said, well, I'm not going to be able to qualify for a mortgage next year. So that's what they told me. It was going to take one year to build. So I ended up uh, going back there the year after. I didn't buy anything. They hadn't sold anything. And Innisfil at the time took a, a while to just develop. And then I came down to Vaughn and saw a project in Richmond Hill was going to buy it out of respect to my mom, brought the agent home. He, he explained things to us. And my mom, when he left, said, you know, you're better off saving your money. We, like Our parents want the best for us. My parents lost everything back home, so they were scared for me, and I get that. But I didn't buy the condo. A month later, the agent calls me, says, uh, you should have bought it. The prices went up 15 to 20 grand. Uh, you would have already been up. That kind of sparked the fire in me to just don't involve the parents. They don't know what you know. Um, and they're, they're trying to advise you the best way possible, but they don't know. So just make a decision and, and show them that it's possible. So I went into the uh, real estate office that I've been a part of, or I was a part of for seven years before launching Millennials Choice. And I bought a pre-construction condo in, in Maple. It's a, it's a luxury one bedroom plus den. I lived in it for a little bit. I rented it out. I still own it today. And with the, with the uh, besides two properties that I bought throughout my career with partners, we've never sold, I've never sold the property that I own. So uh, two properties that were pre-construction were owned by three other partners. They all wanted to, to sell it and make some money, which we did. Um, but other than that, I've kept every single one. And I, I used the, the buy, the refinance, the rent uh, method without the renovation part of it. Um, and then more recently, my portfolio, as I've been comfortable, has expanded into commercial, like the office we're in. This was a power of sale listing that I bought. Um, single family. I own some land, a couple of small pieces of land. And I, I've just kind of dabbled in a lot of things. And, and the mentality that I go in it with is it's a lifestyle. I'm always going to be investing and I'm going to be here for the long term. And my portfolio is going to be here for the long term. And that's kind of the approach that I take. Lots of lots of information there. Let me let me take you back because this is obviously everybody's probably thinking out there. How much was the down payment on that first condo that you bought when you were nineteen? It was a twenty percent deposit, so 
basically they had a payment plan broken up into 5%, 5%, 5%, 5%. And at the time, I only had 15,000 because uh, part of it was my OSAP bursaries. Um, basically, the way the government is to not to knock them, but the way they get students into debt is they throw all this money at you and you don't know how to manage it. They never taught us this in school. So I had enough to pay for my tuition. And I also had bursaries. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. That 15,000 you're talking about, where did that come from? Like, how did you get that started? Yeah, so I had, they, they, gave me, they gave me enough through OSAP to pay for my tuition, but then they also gave me a bunch of nurseries and I had scholarships from school um, because of my grades. So I had all this leftover money that I didn't really have to pay back because I was still in school. And then I also had $5,000 saved from working at the restaurants. So combined, it was about 15000 but that's not enough to, to have gotten the condo. So what I ended up doing is when I went into the sales office, a lot of the, uh, the agent, he was the broker of record that I met with, the owner of the company, they had a lot of the red stickers on the, uh, uh, it's called a site plan, but for condos, I think it's different. But they basically had sold a lot of units. And there was one unit that I really liked. Um, he said it's available. And I looked at him, I said, look, you've already sold units. I don't want to raise the, I'm not going to like negotiate the price. You've probably already raised it. I don't want to negotiate the price, but I need you to do this for me. I gave him the deposit structure that worked for me, which was, I'm going to give you uh, five grand with the offer, a balance of 5% in six months. It was, it was 30 days, but I was like, I need to do it six months, another 5%, six months from then. And then 10% whenever I get the keys, which was going to be like three, four years from then. So I said, all I need is 30,000 in my head, 30,000 in one year. I have 15. The other 15, I'm getting my real estate license. I'm going to be able to work and I'll make the money. I'll figure out how to get the money. I, I truly did not have the money. So even my brother looks at me till this day and says, you're, you're, you're crazy for doing that because you did not have the money. And, right. and I said, yeah, that, that's, it's like, I don't know how to explain it, but you'll find a way. Like sometimes you're, you're limited. There's this mental blockage. Like, oh, there's no way I can do this. And, and you just rule everything out. But when you try to make something work and make something happen, your mind will start finding all kinds of ways to make it work. And I was confident that I, as a realtor that I was going to be successful. And, and I did. As soon as I got licensed, I closed. I got licensed October, um, I think it was October 20th, 2012 or, or October 23rd, but 2012, I closed no. my first deal. How old summer. were you in 2012? I was 19. I bought the condo in August. I got my license a couple months later. And then I closed my first deal. It was a condo resale in Brampton for my cousin. And all I did was I got licensed and I text messaged everybody I know using this little device called a phone. And I literally messaged everybody and said, I'm licensed. Here's what I can do. Here's who I work with. And I joined the company that I actually bought the condo from. Um, and I was the youngest guy there, the, the oldest, the second oldest would have been, or second youngest would have been like in their forties, very old school company. And, um, yeah, that's what happened. I closed my first deal. It was December like 6th of, of 2012. And I, that money was all I needed for, for the condo, uh, for the condo purchase. So that's it. That's what happened. Mm -hmm. By the time I graduated, I refinanced the condo and I paid back my student loan. So I never paid a penny in interest. Incredible. Incredible. So here's, here's someone 19 years old using student 
loan money plus a bit of savings himself, negotiating with a builder all together, a payment plan, committing to the deal, committing to the deal with really not all the money and no real immediate situation to get that money other than I'm going to get my real estate license one way or another. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to figure it out. You know, what's that saying? Where, where there's a will, there's a way. Incredible, man. Like, there's so many obstacles that you had in front of you that you overcame. Again, obviously a very smart guy. You said you were, you were, you were getting math. Uh, what did you say? You were getting uh, math. You were in a master's program or? or uh, no, my, my undergrad was in uh, law and society at York, but I, I was doing that concurrently with uh, teacher's college. So the, the goal was to get the degrees. I, I never applied to the school boards or anything like that. I, I did not want to do that. Um, oh, okay. I didn't want to work for like the public like system, system but yeah. um, I have my degrees. And, you know, that degree, a lot of people that say uh, degrees nowadays, they're a waste of time and this and that. Look, I agree. Like to, to be blunt, like if you're going to go get a degree in sociology, I'm sorry for those of you who have that. I'm picking sociology because my cousin did that. We pick on her, but it's, it's kind of a useless and pointless degree. What you learn in university is research skills, how to, how to collaborate, work with other people. And then my specific degree with teaching enables me to be a high school teacher. So when we approach the mayor of Vaughan, when we approach high schools and we say we have a free financial literacy program, we don't promote our services. We just want to give back to the community. They say, what are your credentials? And I have a bachelor of education that I could show them or I have an honors degree that I could show them. So I never, there's no record of me ever applying uh, to the school boards as a career because I love real estate. At that time, I was already in real estate, but it taught me very valuable skills. And I, now I have those degrees uh, to fall back on anytime I want to, uh, I don't know, go into some venture and they ask me, where did you go to school? Right. I can always say that. Hmm. And like I, like I commented on probably a lot of millennials at that age with no real solid backing from their parents financially, so on and so forth, could have grabbed any one of those made, uh, grabbed any one of those excuses and said, yeah, like, it's impossible for me to do this. And, you know, for everybody listening, there's the mindset of a winner, the mindset of a winner that, you know, yeah, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it happen thinking outside the box, negotiating at such a young age with the builder and, and, you know, looking at, yeah, I'll figure it out, but I'm doing this where most people or a lot of people who don't have that mindset would have probably tapped out after the first excuse, but you pushed forward. And I think that's really speaks to, you know, obviously you as a person, your mindset, your, your, you had a vision and a goal and, and you crushed it where others would have just turned around and said, yeah, this is a waste of time. I don't have the money. I don't have this. I don't have that. So hats off to you, brother. That's, that's amazing. So listen, question is, um, what were your parents thinking? Did, obviously they told you that first deal you, you commented on, don't, don't do it. And you didn't do it. And now you're pulled, you pulled the trigger. So you went back then you pulled the trigger. What's their reaction? So the real estate broker, I, I approached him very old school way and he said he said where are your parents when i told them i needed this deposit structure yeah where's your mom and dad yeah and i said you know because at the time i was skinnier no beard i looked 
more baby face. So he's like, who, like, what is this kid doing here? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I said, look, look, my parents are not involved and uh, I'm the one buying it. It's my money. He said, well, do you have checks? And I said, yeah, I got checks. So I had to go bring in post dated checks to, to secure the property. Right. So I went up to RBC because uh, that's where I, my bank was. But they gave, I don't know if they still do it because I'm not with them anymore, but they used to give like two or three temporary checks if you went to the teller and asked them for it because I didn't have any checks. So I went up the street, got the temporary checks, went back down, signed a deal at the office and went home. And I'll never forget, I went home and my mom started freaking out because I told her because I'm not going to keep anything from them. Yeah. And, and I told her she started freaking out and I didn't understand why. And then one day we had to talk and basically their biggest fear because they lost their careers, they lost their family, they lost their furniture, their home, everything back home. Their biggest fear was losing me, but in the sense of I move out. So I had to explain to them that this is going to be ready in three, four years. I'll be 24, 25. And, you know, like, don't, don't worry about it type of thing. Um, so luckily the condo ended up getting delayed and I think it was 23 or 24 when, when, uh, whenever I graduated, it was just a few months after that when I was ready and I did move in, I moved in for a bit and I really got to see how living alone was and the responsibilities. And, uh, I think that was really good for me, that experience, but they didn't like it. They weren't, they weren't the happiest, but the thing is they didn't understand it. And, and now they understand it because now, uh, at 30, you know, like last weekend, my wife was, was busy. She had a, a personal engagement to go to uh, during the day. So I said, I'm going to go up to Aurelia. I'm going to go look at my investment properties up there. So my dad, who happened to hear what we were talking about, said, can I come with you? And I said, yeah, of course, like join me. So when I picked them up, obviously my mom tagged along, brought us some sandwiches and whatnot. And I took them to Aurelia and it was like, a, we were there for like three to four hours. And I showed them several different properties. And they, when on the way back, they were pumped. They were motivated. And I was kind of giving them, uh, not, that I, not that they need it, but we're all people. And just some wisdom, some counsel, because uh, there's an adjustment they're going through in their lives with, with me getting married. I'm the oldest and moving out and all that stuff. So they were pumped for life. And I, and I, and I think the key is, and it's the name of your show, it's like you just – you should want more from life and there's more to life, right? And I was telling my parents, like, your best years are ahead. God willing, we have, uh, we have kids and you can have grandchildren. You have wisdom to, sh- to bestow upon them. And that's what we're doing here when we're, when we're talking to your audience or you're talking to my audience, vice versa. It's to educate people because had we all been more aware of how things work, we probably all would have bought Bitcoin in 2010. Mm-hmm. Had we been more aware of how uh, real estate works, we probably would have bought more and probably never sold anything that we have. And it's just, it's all about awareness. And that's what we're doing here. So um, I don't blame my parents for feeling the way they, they felt at the time at all. I completely get it. But for those people listening and saying, well, he did it 11 years ago and things have changed. Well, for the most part, things have actually remained the same besides prices going up. So all you need to do right now is just adjust your expectation. If you're thinking you're going to go buy a pre-construction um, property, like the ones in Barrie that just got canceled and it's been all over the news shedding negative media, the reality is that person and some of those people 
they shouldn't even have bought in the first place. I know some of those people. They had reached out to me asking me for information about other things. But if you read the articles, they missed payments. They had NSFs. The deposit was returned to them by the builder. They never canceled the agreement at that time. But if you read into it, that person did not know the difference between deposit and down payment. So the second they lost their job, the second they had no savings, they, they had no solution to how to close this deal. And I think that's probably where a lot of this comes from. But there, you can make all the excuses in the world. And Jim Rohn says, some people will buy, some people won't buy. Some people will laugh and mock, some people won't laugh and mock. So it's just a matter of which route do you guys want to take? Do you want to take the route of, okay, this is going to be hard. The first one's going to be extremely difficult because there's always the fear of the unknown. There's always the what, what if, what if, what if. But either you persist through it or you continue the way you are. And if you continue the way you are and you don't get the results that you want, then you cannot make any complaints. So I chose the other route. I, I want to go all in. I want to put all my, my chips all in. And I want to see what happens. And, and now it's 2021, almost 2022. I just turned 30. I just put myself in another position where I have no idea how I'm going to make the deal happen. And it closes at the end of April. But we're going to make it happen. That's it. There's no other option. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Mindset, mindset, mindset. We're going to just make it happen. Amazing. How old were you when you graduated from, what was it, York University? I went, I went in 2009 and, and uh, 2014. I graduated June 2014. So uh, seven years ago, I would have been 23 turning 24. Okay. So how many properties, was it just the one condo you purchased while you were still in, in university? Or were there a couple more you purchased while you were still in university? I only purchased the condo and then a townhouse the year after. And actually, there was two townhouses that were purchased at the same project. One was purchased with, uh, I, I involved my mom because now she had seen me doing it. I said, mom, do this. It's good for your retirement, whatever. And I also involved another uh, partner in the townhouses. And what ended up happening, just my mom's luck, as if there wasn't enough negativity surrounding what I had just done. There's 300 townhomes that this builder was building. And in the particular block of townhomes that my mom and I purchased in together, that block was, was found, there was found that the soil wasn't stable enough. There was too much water so underneath. So therefore, that one block of townhomes could no longer get built. So they returned their deposit to us. And they gave us the option to purchase at another uh, block somewhere else in the project for the original price. But the builder was smart. They released the bigger homes and they were more expensive. So my mom was a little more gun shy and she said, no, it never works out for me, yada, yada, yada. So she got her part of the deposit back. I got mine. And then the one I bought with my partner, which was still fine, he ran into some financial troubles and wanted out of the deal. So I ended up buying his portion out from him. And I ended up owning the townhome by myself. So that was purchased. It was purchased at the beginning of 2014 or just the end of 2013. So I was still in school. And then it wasn't until 2015 that I made the next few purchases. So I, I had only purchased really two of them while I was in school. So segueing into the average person like yourself back then when you started, not, not a lot of money, 5000 in savings, I think you commented on no real financial support from your parents. They weren't in a position to do that. So mimicking that scenario, how can the average person, what would your advice be 
for the average person who wants to, let's say the millennial who wants to get in the game, but the same scenario as you, what advice would you give them? Well, there's a few things. So you can always try to build up your credit and go see what other uh, institutions like banks are willing to offer you in the form of a line of credit or some sort of debt that's good debt and, and not too high on the interest rate. So I definitely don't mean your credit cards. Um, if that's not an option for you, you could definitely try partnering up with somebody who's in a similar situation as you are. And right. um, you know, if you both have a 25000 or whatever it is, a lot of people, a lot of young people have money nowadays. I'm, I'm talking to them and they have more money than I had when, when, they were, uh, when, when I was trying to buy something. So uh, try to partner, but don't be those people who have $50,000 and an opportunity comes your way. And I'm not just talking about pre-construction. It could be it could be anything, but if pre-construction is the easiest way for you to get in, that's fine. But don't be one of those people when the opportunity comes, you start becoming so picky. You start uh, analyzing every single detail that you become paralyzed, and then you don't buy anything. It just it just passes you by, passes you by, and things get more expensive, more difficult to get in, uh, less supply. Now it's not even about the price anymore. Now it's about getting inventory. Uh, we were selling a, unit, a building in downtown Burlington just two weeks ago. And I know the, the builder and the representative very well. And good friend, colleague. Uh, I do a lot of deals in buildings. And, and one day we, we had 20 buyers of ours that wanted to buy there. And I was only able to get one unit. And then there was a bunch of other units people didn't want. Uh, they were more expensive or whatever that I got some of my clients to get into. They, they wanted to buy at the project. But out of 20 people, only one unit was given. And that's to a guy who has access to these things. So it's not even about price no more. It's about just, I need to get in before I miss this, this gold rush. Because I think I don't think that there's going to be a, a major collapse that people are, are talking about. I think, on the contrary, I think there's going to be steady growth over the next few years, which was already the case before COVID. So uh, I don't know. I think there's a, it's just a matter of, people making that decision you want to buy you're never going to know all the answers when i bought my pre-construction condo i had no idea about the 10-day cooling off period for my lawyer to review the paperwork as a result we never capped development charges we never capped education levels we never capped park levels there's all these kinds of things that we i didn't know about and i learned about them afterwards and thankfully the company that i was with was kind enough to to actually cap those things after the deal was made like months after. So you'll never know everything, but all you got to do is surround yourself with people like Adrian, people like myself, our teams, and, and just have that kind of backing and that solid foundation and then just make the move, take the plunge. Pull the trigger. Pull, Pull the trigger. The trigger. So let's talk a little bit about your other companies. So you're, 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 you're an insurance mortgages, so on and so forth. What was the mindset? Because I think we're very similar in that regard with our group of companies. You know, I always like to say, you know, for my my company, we built the Costco effect, right? Where we have everything under one roof. Was that your mindset too? Can you comment on those other companies that you obviously are the, the owner of? So my one of my best friends till now will tell me, Matt, I remember when you were getting licensed, you said, your goal is to open up a brokerage and have agents working for you and this and that. I don't remember telling him that, but he remembers me saying it. So what happened was in my first year, I started mm -hmm. losing 
deals because of financing. So I wouldn't like some of my clients wouldn't know how to get a mortgage and they wouldn't be able to actually get the secure the financing to close the deal. So I thought I said, you know what, how hard could this be? If I get my mortgage agent license, I'm already a realtor. I have the buyers, but those those buyers need mortgages. I won't do mortgages myself because I don't want to be mediocre at, at two things. I want to be really good at real estate, but I'm going to pair up with a company. And because I'm licensed, now I can earn a commission and I'm going to just refer the deal to that brokerage. Um, right. But I'll be a part of that brokerage so that I can oversee and make sure that my clients are uh, well looked after. So that ended up going really, really well. And so we had real estate, we had mortgages, and then I launched the Millennials Choice team, which was just kind of like a team uh, brand, the, the way, same way, uh, you know, there's a few realtors that have their teams there. It, it's it's after, named after them type of thing. Um, but I, I launched Millennials Choice as a team. And then shortly thereafter, I said, well, life insurance is going to be a really important part of planning uh, for your estate when, you know, it's time to pass the estate down to the next generation or in the event of a, of a death, because that's, you know, we're all going to experience that. So yeah. I said, life insurance is very important. So why don't I uh, get licensed in that area as well? But again, not me doing it. So I don't do any mortgages. I don't do any life insurance. I'm licensed in all the areas. I own all the companies completely uh, independent. And, but we have a financial planner in our office that meets with all of our clients. On the mortgage side, same thing. We do zero advertising for mortgages. We just offer mortgages for our buyers if they want it. If they already have somebody that's good, that's working with them, great. And uh, like I tell realtors all the time, I don't know how you guys don't pre-approve your clients properly. And especially in this market, like yeah. in this market, you're not putting a fine. You're probably not putting a financing no. condition. I don't no. know if you've seen any recent. I haven't seen any. No, you're. I mean, with the stuff we're doing in the multifamilies, predominantly, um, yeah, in Hamilton, you know, we're 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 in anywhere between eight at the moment. We're anywhere between eight and twenty offers in competition. You're going in clean. It's it's really that simple. You're going in clean and high. And you may have a chance at it, but yeah, you're throwing in your financing and this and that. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Not, exactly. not today. No, not today. And so the idea behind it was let's let's vertically integrate. Let's offer all these services. And at the time, I was uh, well. I still do. I admire Tridel a lot. And uh, Tridel, you know, had some issues in the '90s, and then they bounced back. And they have a group of companies. They they're vertically integrated, like with their real estate company, building company, management company, uh, all kinds of stuff. See, they have a company for seniors. They, they have everything. So it's like, I, I kind of took inspiration from that and said, why can't I do it? And then here's the other thing. Back then it was very discouraging, but now as I uh, developed more and matured more and I did a lot of personal development, a lot of people discouraged me from doing the mortgage side of things. I, I didn't even know why. It's like, I don't, I'm not even advertising mortgages. Why do you guys care? But looking back at it now, that resistance was actually a good sign to go in that direction because so many people were talking about the opposite uh, of, of what I was doing. So, uh, yeah, it might be discouraging. People might look at you a certain way. They'll try to take your energy or whatever. But you just, again, you persist. You go through it and, and you focus on what you want to focus on. So I, I, till this day, our core pillar 
There's real estate. These other services are add-on services. And that's all. Very simple. So obviously you completed York University. What kind of drew you to teaching and how has your teaching background helped you run Millennials Choice Group? So when I was in high school, there was a teacher who was a real estate agent and he was the type of uh, real estate. He did well. Like he was a type of real estate agent, though, that like he would show. I don't know why he cared to impress us, because in, at that age in high school, anything like impresses you, basically. But he had his like commission checks. Every time he'd get his commission check, he'd be like, oh, look, I just made, you know, 30 grand. And he would sell luxury homes. And uh, he wasn't the greatest teacher like, at all, but like he definitely did well in real estate from what we could see. And um, so I, one day, I guess I told my mom or something about it. And my parents, no matter what I wanted to do, at the beginning, my first career I ever wanted to do was work on like high-end cars, like have a really nice shop, work on cars. Like, my, like I wanted a body shop that you can basically eat off the floor. That's how, that's how nice it was and pristine. But my mom would always tell me, go to university get the degree, then you could do whatever it is that you want. So her whole thing for me that she saw me in was teaching. So really, I was kind of like convinced to go into teaching because of my parents. And when I, when I was in there, I, I told her I'm going to get my real estate license. And I did that. And it was like, great, well, you can do real estate part time while you're teaching and you get a salary and this and that. Uh, but that was never like, that wasn't my goal at all. So I, I was glad that I got it. I hated school. I did really well in school, but I hated school. And that's that's kind of what I did. And now fast forward, teaching now, we've, we've been in over like 40 different schools, uh, 10 different school boards, uh, public and, and Catholic. But we've been able to create an actual curriculum around the Ontario curriculum for high school students and create our own courses. Uh, so we have actual courses on different topics pertaining to real estate, finance, insurance. We do talk about stocks and bonds a little bit here and there, but this is, it's done, it's done the way that you would do it as a teacher. There's lesson plans, there's icebreakers, there's proper, proper lessons that we created and, and courses we've created that we go into the schools and we teach. So part of allowing me to go into schools is when I tell them I have my, my bachelor of education because that kind of puts their guard down when you're speaking to a principal uh, or a teacher because they, they have the same, pretty much same credentials. So hindsight, it, it, I'm glad that I did it because it gets my foot in the door now into the schools or, or speaking with like, we've met with the mayor of Vaughn on a couple of occasions privately. Uh, we were going to roll out financial literacy week in Vaughn uh, just before COVID happened. So unfortunately that put like a wrench in everything. Um, but definitely when things reopen up, I, I think they're saying March of next year, uh, we should be back to some sort of normal we'll pick up where we left off. So that, that's how we use it now. Amazing. You, you run your own podcast. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about that. What, what, yeah, let's get into that. The whole basis of it and, and how long is it running and your whole focus. Yeah. So same, same idea. Like it's just another way to leverage my time myself. We get asked, like, you know, we get asked all a lot of the same questions uh, in real estate. Uh, pertaining to like different properties and different buyer types or seller types. So what I've done is like I've created videos, uh, podcasts. I want to leverage my time. So that's the first thing that I've done. And then the second thing is it's another way to educate and, and promote that financial literacy, that awareness, but also to bring on guests that have actually like a lot of value to give. So builders, lenders, accountants, financial planners, 
And, and the idea is we just started it. I think we're, yeah, we launched episode 17 uh, two days ago and there's one episode. We've been one episode every week consistently. So it's, it's only been launched for 17 weeks now. Uh, we're almost at a thousand downloads, which is I think pretty cool. But we're, we're creating content. We just created a bunch of new content yesterday. And um, it, we're, we're committed to one episode every Tuesday. And then we have a YouTube channel that we were doing different kinds of episodes on. But now we're just going to simply bridge them together. And everything we're doing on the podcast, we're going to record it visually. And that way you can watch the video um, as well. But there's going to be a little bit of a lag uh, on YouTube versus the podcast. So if you want the latest information, then you'd want to go to the podcast. So we, we should get you on a podcast on an episode. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to be on it. I uh, like you said, giving back and and just uh, educating people and giving back. And if I can, if my story, obviously you got a story, I got a story. If my story can even motivate, uh, you know, the one person and to take that leap and and to get started, and you know, I can't stress enough that leap is going to change your life and ultimately change your life for the better. It may be a bumpy road here or there, and you have to figure things out. But again, long-term real estate that, um, that I personally believe in, if I can touch one person and, and like yourself, if this episode can even change the mindset of one person, one millennial or not even millennial, but let's just say millennial, hey, job well done, right? It's, that's, that's the name of the game. And that's our way of giving back. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to be on the podcast. Um, we can definitely set that date. Talk to me about uh, your comment. You're not looking to retire early. What are, what, are your, what are your thoughts about retirement and where do you see yourself down the road? Well, before, like when I was in my early 20s uh, and still, and still kind of like just getting the groove of things, yeah, my, my goal was to retire at 35 years old. Like that was the, the latest for me and I didn't want to work as a realtor, whatever, like afterwards. But as you grow and as I think as you become like, uh, I, like, I don't want to say I'm becoming wiser, but yes, as you mature and you gain more wisdom and experience, I think you realize that retirement is just like a social construct that people, that the society gets you in. And there's this rat race and this trap that people fall into. So if I'm dedicating my life to serve other people, then I can't retire. How does that make sense to retire? So what I want to do, though, what the, the goal, I think the goal should be, it's, this is the goal for me, so it may not be the goal for everybody, is get to a point where I don't need to work to pay the bills. And if I get to that point, then that means I probably could retire, but now I don't have to work for that reason. The reason, the, the reason, the why changes now. And at that point, I think we're, Everybody has a life goal. Everybody has gifts and what they want to do and how they want to make an impact. But if you talk to most people, it's a, it's well, it's it's easy for you to say. But I have these bills. I I have this mortgage. I have these. I have kids. You know, a lot of people dismiss me now. Uh, before they used to dismiss me because of my age. Now they they still dismiss me because of my age. But they dismiss me now because oh, I don't have kids. I don't have that life experience. And I'm like, well you're not, you're not, you're, you're disregarding like any kind of life experience I do have. And I, I have a lot of it. So for me personally, I don't want to retire. And there's actually a proverb in the Bible that I get this from, where there was a wealthy person who was working, 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 storing up his, his barns 
with goods and, and food and all kinds of things. He, he filled his barns with all, all the necessities he thought he needed over and above what he needed. He finally filled it, took a step back and said, now I'm done. Now I can retire. I have enough to live off uh, everything that I've worked for. And God says to that person, he says, you fool, tonight I'm going to take your life. And we're not here to question about why God would do that. It's a, it's a, it's, it's just a, it's a story. It's a parable. But the idea behind it is, uh, even God hasn't created us to be lazy in nature or to be just uh, selfish and single-minded. Uh, I do believe that there is a connectivity between all of us as humans. We're helping each other. You're helping me. I'm helping you. There's no, there's no right or wrong. There's just morals that should be taught. And I don't believe that people should be retiring because it's like, why are you retiring the gifts that God gave you? Like those, those gifts need to be shared with the world. So for me, I think at that point, when I, when I get to it, and, and I'm on track to get to it sooner, but when I get to it, I, I, I'm not going to retire and you'll never see me again. I, I'm just going to change my purpose as to why I'm doing what I'm doing. I didn't mean to get religious on you, but no, you know, no, I just want to share with you where it's I all good. That's all good. So we're coming to the end of the show. Uh, we're just over 45 minutes, like tons of great info here. And uh, you're a great speaker with a ton of, obviously, uh, a ton of knowledge in such a short time. But we're calling it the lightning round. And um, we have three quick questions. Sure. Quick bang, bang, bang. Um, first one, what is your why? And why do you do what you do? I kind of gave it away, but uh, one the, the basic thing for me that gets me going is uh, I, I'm a child of God. I'm a spiritual being. I have unlimited potential in, in this human vessel. But uh, we've heard that before, but I really didn't understand it. But I have unlimited potential. I, I truly believe I can do whatever I want. If I wanted to tomorrow wake up and, and, and follow in the path of Elon Musk and other people and create rockets to go to space, I do have the confidence. I believe I would do it. I'd find a way to do it. So whatever that reason why is, uh, I should say like what your purpose is, I'm, I'm on track just like you guys trying to find it for myself. But I, I want to work towards that, that infinite potential. And we'll never get there, but that's, that's why. That's why I get up and do what I do because I'm excited. I'm, I'm really pumped. My wife asked me today. I slept really late last night, woke up really early today. She messaged me, aren't you tired? I go, I'm, no, I'm pumped. I'm, I'm wired. I'm good to go. So um, I'm just yeah. excited. I try, to, I try to reimagine what it was like as a kid to be going on a field trip the next day. You couldn't sleep. You, couldn't, you were so excited. You got your clothes ready. You wanted to look your best. And it doesn't matter what was happening. That You were pumped for the next day. Uh, and you were, you were excited to wake up and get going. So I kind of try to re-emulate that now every, every single day. So you're very successful now, obviously, and we say that relative to how the world views success. But do you think there is still more to life for Matthew? When you picture more to life, what do you see? Yeah, lots. I, I don't consider myself successful. Uh, complete, to be completely honest with you, I have, to, I have to remain humble. I have to thank God for everything I got. The health, just waking up another day is, is great on its own. But sometimes I'm on Instagram and I see like, oh, are you part of the, the 1%? And then it shows like the stats and stuff. And that's, that's good to look at. But, but I, do, I don't believe I'm successful just because I, I have that real estate portfolio or whatever. Like, sure, am I, am I doing better than others? Great. But yeah, but 
I do things on the side that I don't talk about and, and, and how I give back and things like that. It's, it's, you know, it's private to me, but uh, I'm, I'm not successful because of my companies and things like that. That's just, that's just motivation. It's just ambition and, and anybody can do it. Total. That's the truth. Anybody can do it. But for me, what success looks like, okay, are my relationships stronger? Uh, I want to have kids. My, my wife and I both want to have kids. Uh, are we going to be able to raise them in a good household, uh, teach them the right things? They're going to be successful. We're going to help them on their lives. Are our families looked after? They're getting older. Are they going to be looked after? Is my brother okay? Is your sister okay? Is, like That's what success to me is. Like, are everybody around you, and then, and then not only your family, is there a way to make an impact on other people uh, too? So, so right now, in my limited capacity of what I what I think I could do, um, we're educating, we're doing it for free, uh, we give back. There's certain things we do to make an impact, but it, it won't. To me, I, I don't think I'll ever like feel 100 uh, percent successful because because I don't think you can you can ever work 100 percent to your potential. So, uh, it, it's a good way to keep me humble too. I think. Yeah, for sure. So tell me, though, when you see more to life for you, you know, for example, do you see yourself uh, owning a $40 million plane and jumping on and going to the Caribbean whenever you want? What's more to life for Matthew? Is there more to life for Matthew? What's your vision on that? Yeah, I definitely want to I have a goal of, of building my own uh, building one day and getting into the construction side of things. I, I don't want to have a I definitely don't want to have a jet, but I, I'll just. And that's too expensive, man. That's that's too much maintenance. I'll just charter a jet if I need yeah. to go somewhere. Yeah. Um, but for me, the more to life right now at this stage in my life is is having my own family. That is is going to be the, the most yeah. amazing thing for me that I'm, I'm so excited for. Um, it's it's affecting. I'm so excited that it's affecting me in ways of health, physical health, even work ethic. It's making me want to grind more. So I'm really excited for that chapter in my life now. Um, that would be more to life. That's that's what I want out of life right now is is my own my own offspring that uh, Matthew Juniors that could run around and just cause problems and havoc for everybody. <laughs> that's 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 what more to life for me right now is. I love it. Such a successful young man, but yet still so humble and down to earth. And uh, you always hear those comments, you know, when people are successful. Yeah, that guy's so successful, this and this and that, but so down to earth. Like, you never know, you know. So, yeah, I take my hat off to you. That's amazing. So, listen, Matthew, that's um, that's a wrap. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Your ambition to invest as well as your drive to promote financial literacy through so many platforms really is is truly inspirational. Demonstrating the age, the investing you've made, understandable wealth can be made attainable for other people out there in in the millennial world sort of speak so to keep up with matthew and here's some more financial education give him a follow at matthew w-a-b-l-a-k-a-n and at millennials choice obviously on instagram uh, matthew's podcast the millennials choice show uh, check out his YouTube channel, the Millennials Choice channel, and follow MC on TikTok at Millennials Choice. Is there anything anywhere else they can get a hold of you at or people that want to contact email. you and chat and whatnot? 
Yeah, I just sent in the chat um, our link tree with with all the uh, different kind of platforms. But yeah, you've mentioned them there. We're, we're on social, uh, just Matthew Applican or Millennials Choice. But yeah, there's a lot of great content. Uh, I'm following Adrian. If uh, for those of you listening and watching, make sure you follow them. They, they're putting out a lot of great content, obviously. And Adrian, I'm 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 grateful that you invited me and you saw something that uh, would give your audience members value so that that means a lot to me i'm I'm not doing too many podcasts these days i'm usually on your side of the uh the screen but it's always great to be on this side so i'd love to have you on on our podcast as well yeah we'll definitely set that up and yeah it's my pleasure because you know honestly i don't know many 30 year olds that have produced what you've produced in such a short time I, i personally don't know any. So when I came across your, all your stuff, it's like that, that is someone. And again, you, you touched upon it on the show, um, surround yourself with, with great people who are doing great things. And that was for me, that was the icing on the cake to put you on the show because you're the people that I want to be around. And I couldn't, I couldn't stress that enough. So Matthew, amazing. Uh, cheers. Thanks so much. I, I know I don't need to wish you the best of luck because I know with that kind of mindset and attitude, you're going to continue to be successful. As far as anybody out there who wants to chat with us and get involved in real estate investing with our company, we're all over social media as well. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Executive Properties Capital, or just uh, Google Adrian Pernozo. Or send me an email at executiveproperties at rogers.com. I'm sure we actually just uh, increased our portfolio again now. We're just over 352 units. So I'm sure there's a lot of knowledge there I can share with you guys as well on multifamily investing. And yeah, we'll take it from there. So thanks a lot. Enjoy the rest of the day. Happy holidays to everybody. And um, take care, Matthew. Thank you, Adrian. Yep. Talk to you soon, brother.